Every conference in college football is looking at their schedule and looking at it hard with new guidance that's not requiring divisions for conference championship games. We'll talk about that, plus more coaches caravan, nuggets from Brent Venables and other Oklahoma coaches, and a nice piece from Dennis Dodd about how Brent Venables' coaching career went and why it went the way it went, and we'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Sooners Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. Joining me as he does every day is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on The Ref, 1400 Sports Talk, or 94.7 The Ref in Norman from 9 to noon. Uh, thank you for joining us and making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Josh, how you doing, man? Doing fantastic. Just Again, trying to wrap my mind around what an SEC schedule looks like and when that exit is going to be for Oklahoma. I feel like more and more tea leaves are out there that it is, in fact, going to be the 2023 football season. But, hey, it's it's always a good day to talk a little sooner football, right? How are you, my friend? Absolutely wonderful. You know, it's like you said, you know, where we're heading and what it seems like is – kind of what everybody anticipated last summer when the announcement was first made, like, okay, yes, the media rights deal lasted through the 2024 season, making the logical move 2025. But like, you don't announce that you're going to get a divorce and then stay with your spouse for the next three years. Like that's just not how that's going to happen. And so it always looked like that there would be some kind of an early exit. The time frame was always a little bit murky, but with the ESPN plus deal that came in and their close ties to the sec, the financial uh, revenue stream, that's going to help benefit the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, it, it's looking more and more like there's going to be a move as early as 2023. And I think that's okay. That's a great thing. I think Oklahoma fans are ready for it. Whether or not the football program is ready for it to me, doesn't matter. Because guess what? The teams at the top of the SEC are the teams you're chasing anyway, whether you're in the Big 12 or you're in the SEC. Because the goal at Oklahoma isn't just a conference championship, right? It's national championships. Having won seven in their history, looking for an eight, whether you're chasing Alabama as a conference mate or you're chasing them from the Big 12, it's all the same. You're still chasing Bama or you're still chasing Georgia. So getting into the SEC, even as early as 2023, whether you're ready or not, quote unquote, ready or not, I mean, that's in the eye of the beholder. Just get there. And then you start figuring out where you sit in the the hierarchy of the SEC. Brent Venables is ready. He's been preparing for this for years. And we'll talk about that in a later segment. But getting to the SEC and what might look like an eight or nine game schedule, they're still trying to work that out because they're going to have a lot of flexibility in the future because the NCAA is removing the requirement that – um, team or conferences with more than 12 teams have divisions. And I think this is a really interesting aspect of where college football is heading, where they're going to be allowed to match the top two teams in their conference in the conference championship game, much like the big 12 already does. 
I know we kind of crap on on Big 12 leadership over the last decade or so for some of the things that they didn't do well, that they weren't proactive enough in certain areas. But, man, they got this one right, I feel like, in that having no division, being a 10-team league, allowed them to pit their top two teams against one another. Sometimes it comes back to bite them. Sometimes it's worked out really well. But that I feel like we should give credit where credit's due. This has worked out well, and it seems like the rest of the country is going to follow suit with that. Yeah, in the wide-ranging series of events that the Big 12 did not do well and did not have great foresight on, one of the things that, you know, in the actions to follow to make up for some of those mistakes, one of the things they got right, I agree with you, is with a round-robin format where you play everybody, then turning around and pitting the top two teams in the conference championship game to potentially – best position your champion to get into the college football playoff. We're going to have a full summer uh, of discussion and debate on the college football playoff. I'm sure at some point. So, you know, the importance, I guess, of setting up your conference champion, the way that the big 12 has in recent years, probably in the future, once you get to eight and 12 teams will lose a little bit of its importance, but in the moment when it was done, Uh, The way it was made, that decision by the Big 12, yes, it it was a good decision by the Big 12 Conference. And really, John, I think this is the the direction that college football across the board just kind of needs to head. I think this is when you think about ways to generate money, and I'm talking not about the SEC or the Big 10, talking about the Big 12, what's coming into the Big 12 after Oklahoma and Texas depart, and then the existing conferences of the Pac-12 in the ACC. It's all about TV inventory, right? And, you know, having a USC and an Oregon not meet up every other season or having a Clemson and a Florida State not meet up super regularly or Miami or whichever team it is, you want all of those conference matchups to be the greatest regularity that they can be in terms of a TV TV inventory standpoint. And then just as a fan and as a member of a conference, you know, as many things as the SEC's done great, it's not great for Alabama and Georgia outside of a conference championship to only play each other once every eight years or whichever two teams you want to pick from the league. It just doesn't really make sense to be in a conference and not see your conference opponents on a regular basis. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I kind of like where they're heading with the the proposed one of the proposed models that they're considering, which is, you know, three permanent teams on your schedule and then anywhere from five to six rotating teams where you're going to see a, a team at least once every four years. And I believe it's like you're going to see one of those teams once every four years at home. If I read that right. That's correct. But, and And I like that. And so, you know, we can and we'll have a discussion about maybe which teams we'd want to have as part of our permanent teams. But I I like the idea because it gives you the opportunity to build rivalry. So for Oklahoma, you know, specifically Texas, like you continue that matchup, like the sec is not going to get rid of Oklahoma, Texas as an annual matchup. That's going to stay where it's at. They're going to, there's probably going to be some debate about what the other two potential teams. And then even one, I saw there was one note in the athletic article that was breaking all this down where maybe four permanent members, permanent uh, opponents and then five rotating opponents uh, for a nine game schedule. And I think this works out fairly well right now for Oklahoma as they get ready to move to the sec, because 
They've got Georgia on the schedule for 2023. They've got Tennessee coming up in 2024, I, I believe. And so their non-conference schedule is not going to prohibit them from moving to the SEC or playing a nine-game schedule because it's already factored in. Like It's sitting there ready for them to just roll that into whatever a schedule looks like. And so I'm a, I'm a big fan of this idea. I wasn't really a big fan of the pods idea uh, just because how do you then determine like, who goes to the conference championship based on who wins each pod. Are you going to have a 14 playoff for your conference championship? That didn't seem very likely. And so just going to this uh, no division, you play nine games against the conference. Will there be years where some teams have weaker strengths of schedule than others? Absolutely. It happens in the NFL where they rotate schedules as well, but it is what it is. It's just part of doing business in a league that big where you're not going to be able to play everybody every single year. And so I, I do like the idea of going to three permanent opponents, six rotating opponents. And I think that kind of breakdown three and six, it just works cleanly. I like it too. And really you could do either or what you're talking about the, the permanent opponents, if it's three, Essentially, you you kind of are in that pod system. If you up it to four, then you're sort of out of what we've kind of found out or thought about with pods. Because if you got the – the, but again, the three permanent opponents, I guess, could differ for each school. So in that sense, it it wouldn't be the pods. But, uh, you know, to me, I mean, if if you're going the route of permanent opponents, I don't mind upping it to four permanent opponents opponents because then all of a sudden – Oklahoma, if there were schools that you really wanted in that pod for Oklahoma, well, now all of a sudden, you know, you've got Texas, you know, you're probably getting Arkansas and then Missouri because of the old relationship in the Big 12 conference and the same for Texas A&M, you've got your four permanent opponents. I know there will be some debate for, hey, give me Alabama, give me LSU. But under that scenario with you know, three permanent opponents, four permanent opponents, whatever number you finish on, then you're just talking about, okay, rotating five or six games in whichever route you go, you still wind up in the situation to where you play every team in the conference every other year and you host every team in the conference. At least, you know, you'd host them at least once every four years. So to me as a fan, I mean, that's what you want. You want to play the teams in your conference. And I, now, as you're talking about it, I kind of like the four and five split where, you know, if you're Oklahoma, maybe you like you broke it down. You get Missouri, Arkansas, Texas, Texas A&M. And then like if you're Texas A&M, maybe you're getting LSU and Texas and Arkansas, some of that, you know, that Southwest Conference and then LSU being kind of a closer potential new rival for them uh, in the SEC. So, man, so many interesting matchups. And I and I think while you're going to hate to lose some of these old annual games that you play against Kansas state, who you've had a long history with against um, Oklahoma state, obviously in Bedlam where that game has gone on for years and years and years, you're going to hate to lose some of that, but man, the matchups and the potential fun we're going to get in the sec with Oklahoma getting to play Georgia every other year or Alabama every other year or Florida every other year, that's going to be a ton of fun. And, and I, and yes, conference realignment is tough for college football as a whole, but as a fan of the Oklahoma Sooners, and if you're listening to the show, you're probably a fan of the Sooners too. You got to be really excited about this. And, and I think it's going to be great. 
And again, it's looking like 2023 is going to be the time in which this opens up and begins to happen. And, uh, you know, Greg Sankey, he's, he's leading the way he's got everything kind of under control and it's going to be great. Whatever it turns out to be, I think it's going to be great for the sec, for the Oklahoma Sooners, even for the Texas Longhorns. And Hey, they're our running buddy in this, in this madness. So we kind of got to root for them a little bit on that front until we start playing games and then now go five and seven again. So coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit about the coach's caravan. we got some more great nuggets from Brent Venables as, as well as some of the other coaches there. We'll talk about that after I talk to you about built bar, which is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's easy to eat. It's a hundred percent covered in chocolate and they've got something called birthday cake puffs. Now, if you haven't tried the, the built puffs, they're phenomenal. They taste like marshmallow. Like if you like a moon pie or just chocolate covered marshmallows, that's what you're getting in a built puff. Only 150 calories, 16 grams of protein in the birthday cake puff from built bar. And I love them. Like I've had them. They're fantastic. They taste great and they're great for you. Very low sugar. You know, the built bars, they have four grams of sugar. These built puffs have nine grams of sugar, but that's still much better than a lot of the protein bars that you'll see out there and, and even better than a candy bar. You can have a built puff as just a treat on your regular just afternoon. If you're looking for a sweet treat, and I'm always looking for a sweet treat because I love sweets, built bar saves me from going to get the candy bar, going to get a piece of cake or a cookie. Built bar always satisfies. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your next order over at built.com. And again, thanks for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. But make sure to go check out the Locked On NBA Big Board. Host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock drafts, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Josh, Coach's Caravan hit up my old stomping grounds in Duncan, Oklahoma, or Duncan, America, as we used to call it. And, uh, you know, out there just making making news, making notes, a lot of good stuff that they're talking about again, because anytime Brent Venable steps up to the podium, he's dropping some gold. And um, in this one, really the thing that you brought up, and, and we'll talk about one of the things that I thought was interesting was, but first, how they use social media as a tool in which they're vetting recruits. Um, the NFL does it with college athletes. It's only it's only right that I say right. It's only um, reasonable that college coaches would do it with recruits as well. Well, and just what we've learned about Brent Venables and how he values a commitment, sort of just the overarching way that he approaches recruiting. It mm-hmm. makes sense and kind of falls right in step with what his philosophies are that, I mean, they are, they are monitoring. They, they are getting social media reports on individuals that they've either targeted or offered. And what was the phrase that he used for their top targets? Those guys, especially they're looking at to find out, okay, did we miss a red flag with this player? And again, when you're talking about more than just putting on the highlight tape and saying how would uh, this player fit into the University of Oklahoma and you know the offensive and defensive schemes we're running our playbook beyond just a highlight tape Oklahoma and Brent Venables they're really genuinely focused on trying to bring the the right types of 
characters, the right types of personalities. And again, I think even as far as the right types of families, uh, you know, just beyond the actual player itself into their overarching, you know, University of Oklahoma family. So the fact that they're getting legitimate social media reports, John, every single week, first of all, I think it, it just really puts into perspective the amount of work and effort and thought process that is going into everything across the board for Oklahoma and certainly on the recruiting side. It, it shows us that, but it also, again, I mean, it just tells us so much about the way that they're going through the recruiting process. Yeah, and it's not like they're using the social media and then completely writing off players. And they might be in certain in certain circumstances, but they're using it as an evaluation tool. And I mean, he says it here. He's like, um, "Where is it at?" Whether it's questionable content, questionable abusive language, guys that don't really care about their platform, and there's always uh, people who deserve grace, is what he says. Just for us, is that. Is it a red flag? Is it something that's going to set off alarms? Um, let's check it out. Let's look a little further. And I and I think that's I think that's smart because I, we've seen it just even over the last you know six months as kind of Oklahoma has had this coaching transition. You mentioned families. I mean, we've seen we've seen parents um, kind of put you know throwing digs at former coaches, um, you know, at, at the program when. One kid leaves. I'm not going to mention any names, but if you follow, you know, the, the social media scene, you've kind of seen it. But I mean, that kind of stuff matters, and, and we talked about it a little bit with you know Perry on Winfrey and why he might have dropped a little bit or slid a little bit to the fourth round. Like what you say as a recruit, it matters. It, it tells a story about maybe who you might be. Now that story might not always be accurate, and that's why they're going to dig a little bit deeper. But it does tell a story, and what kind of story do you want to tell with your social media presence? And I think that's going to be key for, for Brent Venables. And it's, as you mentioned, like he's not just trying to build a football program. He's trying to build a culture in this program, something that not only does it win games, but it does so with the right kind of players doing so the right way. And those are, you know, big time coaching cliches. I just dropped on here on the locked on series podcast, but Brent Venables believes it. Like he wholeheartedly like believes that stuff. Every time he gets up to the podium, he talks about doing things the right way, having the right mindset, you know, pushing for excellence, pushing for greatness on and off the field and off the field. That also means your social media activity and how you present yourself on social media. And so if you're somebody that's out there, you know, and kind of being a energy vampire, as he talked about in the last coach's caravan, if you're being an energy vampire on social media, he's probably thinking maybe you're going to be an energy vampire in our locker room as well. So uh, again, just, I think what it says is he's leaving no stone unturned and he's, and what we're seeing in the offers and in the current commitments that, that Oklahoma's got, they're not afraid to go after guys who maybe are less heralded than some of the other top prospects in the country. They've got three, three-star commits as, as part of their program for the 2023 class right now, Joshua Bates and Caleb Spencer and Eric McCarty guys that, could add another star to their name in their senior year, but right now they're just three stars. But with Brent Venables, they're the right kind of people. They're people he's looking for, not just as football players, but as people as well. And so I think all that stuff kind of matters. Um, any other thoughts you want to share on this and, and what he had to say about just social media usage and, and, the, and how the players are getting evaluated on that front? 
the, the development side, you know, is obviously so important, like you're talking about there. And Brent Venables, we see this. He, he's pulling from his coaching history to where at a place like Kansas State, okay, a little bit different than Clemson, even when Clemson was known for Clemsoning, right? Clemson getting a different caliber player than a Kansas State or, an, uh, well, than an Oklahoma Clemson and, and Oklahoma get a different caliber player than a Kansas State historically has ever gotten. So Brent Venables tells you and shows you that obviously he believes in his ability and this staff's ability to develop players. And he doesn't necessarily, obviously, just tying it back to this, he doesn't want to always have to be in the business, I don't think, of developing good personalities on social media. And I do have to laugh and I think about something that Chris Plank talks about a lot in the morning. It's one of his like go-to tags is you, you might have on your Twitter, your Facebook, whichever social media feed you want opinions, not representative of employer. Well, Mm -hmm. any opinion that you put out on your personal feed is a little bit of a representation on your employer. And if you don't want it to be a representation of your employer, Hey, that's all fine. Well, and good, but your employer reserves the right to say, all right, audio, see you later. Yeah, exactly. And the, just the last thing that he said from the uh, coach's caravan, and we had more, they, they talked a lot about the NIL as well. And I think we should get into that on our next show. But uh, he said, I think too often people just offer, they don't value their own offer. They just offer off of highlight tapes and they're not looking for fit. We're looking for fit and we're looking for, again, long-term commitment. We're looking for people who are going to bring value to the university of Oklahoma. And he's mentioned that several times. Like we're not offering just to make an offer. We're not offering guys that, you know, they've got 20, you know, 30 offers and and they're not considering us, but we're going to throw an offer out there anyway, just to, just to say we did. No, they, they're, they're offering players that they want as a part of their program. Not just a guy who is a good player, you know, has a five-star rating next to his name. Now, don't get me wrong. They're definitely going after some some of the high-level recruits. They'll have some in Norman for the uh, the Champion Barbecue, but they value what they're trying to sell. They value their program. They value w- who they're recruiting, and they value the, the the culture and the program that they're building in Norman. And they're saying, hey, come be a part of this with us. And every offer that they make to a player is just that. It's an invitation to partner with the University of Oklahoma to be great. And that's – it's. I, I like that. I like that you – because know, you do see kids. They've got like 30 offers or whatever. And you're like, how are you going to sift through 30 offers? You're not interested in all those all those schools. But people – you know, schools are making offers just to be a part of the offer. And it's – I think it's – I think it's good to say, hey – you know, we have something of value. We believe in it and we're not just going to give it out to everybody. And I think that, I think that, I think that matters. I think that kind of thing matters coming up next. Let's talk a little bit about Brent Venable's history. Dennis Dodd wrote a great piece over at CBS sports. If you haven't read it yet, highly recommend it. We're going to talk a little bit about that after I talk to you about bet online, bet online is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest odds, news and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, major league baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online is where the game starts. Okay, Josh, great piece from Dennis Dodd over at CBS Sports. Just 
really outlining the history of Brent Venables as a coach and why it's taken him so long to become a head coach. I mean, he's been one of the hottest coordinators in college football over the last decade. He was a really good coordinator for Oklahoma in the, the time he was on Bob Stoops staff. And there could, I'm sure there were opportunities where he could have taken another job, but in this story, you know, Dennis Dodd, he outlines how leading into an opportunity to potentially earn a berth in the BCS championship game, the, the Kansas state Wildcats, they had a, a, a nice lead in the fourth quarter um, against oh, who was it against? I'm blanking. Texas out. A&M in the, in the big 12 championship game. Yeah. And up by 15 with 920 left and they went on to lose in overtime and the Kansas state fans and media kind of got on to him and some of the other coaches who were planning to join Bob Stoops staff after the season. And they believed that they were distracted and not invested in the game we we saw this kind of similar thing this last fall as oklahoma lost two of their last three games with rumors circulating about their head coach leaving for another job and how it might have distracted the team and so brent venables that's that was formative for him as he went through his coaching journey he told himself never again and he kind of lived that out for 20 plus years as a defensive coordinator turning down opportunities straight up ignoring some opportunities because he was wanting to stay in the moment with the team that he was on and not creating potential distractions or not even creating the sense that there might've been a distraction. Even if he wasn't Brent Venables to me, doesn't seem like a guy that gets distracted. He's laser focused, but perception is reality. And if people perceive that you were thinking about another job, even though you were wholly committed to what you're currently doing, that's what people are going to believe is true. And so I, I, it was a great story by, by Dennis Dodd. And I think that is why part of why Brent Venables is who he is. He was just 27 years old at the time. That was 24 years ago. And like you said, it stuck with him, you know, all the way since I think the quote he said was, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, I wasn't going to allow my loyalty to ever be questioned again uh, end quote of the paraphrase he he's done that right like you pointed out it happened during his tenure at, at Oklahoma where instead of entertaining different job offers or interviews that might have been out there instead it was no I'm going to coach Oklahoma through the big 12 championship game through the bowl season and I'll deal with that in the off season. clearly that probably if you want to say cost him some opportunities while he was at Clemson I don't, I don't know if necessarily that was the case, but who knows, right? I mean, we see this all the time in the National Football League where, for whatever reason, John, sometimes teams just – they don't want to wait. They don't want to wait mm-hmm. until the playoff run is over. They want to get their future started now. And whether or not that actually somewhere along the way cost Brent Venables his first head coaching opportunity – maybe it did, but I applaud him for being loyal in that sense. And with what happened at Kansas state saying, you know what? I don't, I don't want to ever be described as the individual that wasn't loyal to my players, wasn't loyal to the program and wasn't focused on the football game that we were coaching or playing in. I also love the uh, very beginning of that article where Dennis Dodd was sitting there, the group of media reporters that he was, he was there with down in Phoenix they were in a spot where they 
do all these different coaches and administrators would come by. There came by Bob Stoops, and he asked him what did his dad wrote. I, I thought this was well-written. The the big why. Why now with Brent Venables? Why did you turn all these other opportunities down and why Oklahoma? And Bob Stoops' response was so, so Bob Stoops. He said, are you kidding me? It's Oklahoma. What, what kind of a question is that? Yeah, and, and this was the job that, you know, was going to move the needle for him. He was in a great spot at Clemson. He was in a great situation, highest paid defensive or highest paid coordinator in college football, basically could write his own check each year and Clemson just continued to throw money at him. And he had no reason to just take any job. You know, you see coordinators all the time, take a step down from a premier college football program down to what might be considered a second tier program. You know, we saw it with Dave Aranda going from LSU to Baylor. Now, Baylor's a solid job. It's a solid program, but it's not the premier program that LSU is. And Brent Venables, he held out. He kind of bided his time. He waited his turn, allowed some offers to go by, allowed some you know potential opportunities. You know, he mentioned Auburn even in his you know introductory press conference go by for different reasons. Some of it was timing. Some of it was alignment, as he's mentioned before. But the Oklahoma job, it was the right time, the right situation, the right alignment where it just all came together and it all made sense. And as he said, he's like, you when when you're getting approached for a job, you want them coming after you hard. You don't want it just to be like, yeah, come, come on. And he described it as you want them coming after you like it's a double gap or double A gap safety blitz. And I, I love that analogy as well because, yeah, when those two safeties are coming over the you know on either side of the center – they're coming hard. They're not, they're not slowing down. And if you're the quarterback, you better be ready for it and for that pursuit. And, um, you know, it only took a week between the time that, you know, Joe Castiglione and Joseph Harris were rumored to be um, con- in contact with Brent Venables to the time that he got hired. It was, you know, a week later, you know, from Lincoln Riley even to Brent Venables stepping on board. And so, you know, that they pursued him hard and they were, they knew that he was going to be the right man for their job. And, and, and so far, it's so good. I mean, we got to see it on the field like we talked about on yesterday's show. But I think most people are expecting this is going to be a really good team because of the guy that Brent Venables is and the coach that he's become over the last 24 years of formative you know, coach building, like resume building that he's had under Bill Snyder, Bob Stoops, Dabo Sweeney, two guys that are in the College Football Hall of Fame, one guy that will one day be in the College Football Hall of Fame. You can't take that experience lightly, and I'm sure he's gleaned stuff over the years from all three of these guys, and and that's why Oklahoma is going to be such a successful program. Whether it's the Big Twelve or the SEC, they're going to be one of the still one of the top ten programs in the country for decades. You know, the other just in closing, and th- this doesn't necessarily relate to Oklahoma a whole heck of a lot outside of you know it's part of Brent Venable's journey, but I thought it was really interesting that Dennis Dodd got the quote from Brent Venables basically saying that Kansas State loss in that 1998 Big 12 championship game versus Texas A&M where they had the 15-point lead, Michael Bishop was a Heisman hopeful. It's the best team Kansas State had ever had, and ultimately, looking back, it was the peak of the Bill Snyder era. Yeah, there were some good moments after it, but man, that season, that team, that was the peak. That was the one that got away from them. Brent Venables basically admitted as much that that's still the loss that bothers him the most 
in his entire coaching career. And he, he said it was one of the three most talented teams that he had been a part of. So Kansas state fans, if for some reason you found this podcast, uh, we're thinking of you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, Brent Venables still bothers him. Yeah, so hang in there. 24 years later, still looking for that national champion contender, but better luck next time. It, it probably won't be this year either. It's going to be okay, though. You'll, you'll, you'll survive. You got great uniforms. So, uh, hey, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms, especially on YouTube. Go check it out over there. Drop us a comment. Drop us a like and hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. So for Josh, I'm John. We'll catch you next week after – actually, I'm going to be on vacation next week. Josh is taking over the show. He's going to have some great guests lined up, and he might be riding solo. So uh, make sure you tune in for that as well. I'm going on a, a much-needed vacation with the family to uh, Hilton Head, South Carolina. Looking forward to seeing my grandma, my aunt and uncle, my mom and dad, and, and some other folks – or my siblings, all the people. It's going to be a good time taking the kids to the beach. So thanks, Josh, for for taking the lead next week. And I'll look forward to talking to y'all when I get back the week after. But until then, have a great weekend yourself. Stay safe. Stay hydrated out there. It's going to be warm. And have a great time, Boomer Sooner.